Hey, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cotrera Show for Tuesday, December the 1st. If you've ever been to the grocery store, had a hankering for some ice cream, taken it out of the freezer, put it in your cart, continued on with your grocery shopping, done a couple errands, got home and realized that that ice cream has melted, you'll understand we are facing a serious challenge when it comes to shipping a vaccine that has to be stored at minus 70. But how big of a challenge are we facing? We're going to talk about that with the owner of Frozen Solid, a logistics company that deals with shipping cold things. But first, I want to turn our attention to our 640 Toronto personal finance expert, Rabina Ahmed Hot, that joins the show right now. Rabina, good to have you on. Thanks for having me, Kelly. So the reason why we reached out to you is uh, yesterday our finance minister, Christia Freeland, delivered the fall fiscal update, a $25 billion spend uh, to help with COVID relief and uh, get the economy going here. Unspecified uh, fiscal stimulus spending for three years will be somewhere around 70 to $100 billion, and that'll be to jumpstart the economy, but that's later on. Let's talk about the immediacy of what is in this fiscal update for the average 640 Toronto listener. Yeah, so I think the big uh, announcement for families is this $1,200 payment for families with children under the age of six to help with daycare costs or any other costs uh, through this pandemic. Now, it does not apply to everybody. Um, it's uh, for families that have a net income, household income of 120000 If you have more of a uh, household income of more than 120000 that number is actually halved. So you only get half of that, so $600 in aid. But that that money is going to come pretty quickly. It's uh, starting in April of next year. Uh, they're going to start uh, putting that money into families' accounts, and so that's a that's that's you know that's not uh, money to sniff at. Twelve hundred bucks. If you've got two kids under the age of six, uh, families are looking at you know two thousand four hundred dollars next year to help them towards their daycare costs. Okay, and this is going to be. Um... It automatically deposited by the CRA? Is that how it's going to work? Yeah, so it is, you know, it's based on your income. So they already have that information. So they're saying currently households with children under the age of six will receive that money automatically starting early in 2021. Um, and, you know, those payments, I, I apologize, actually, the, the second payment will be in April. The first payment's going to come a little bit earlier. Uh, but it really depends on your household income. And I couldn't get the information as to when it gets cut off, but CCB does get cut off when you have a household income, I believe, of $220,000. So I would assume that this money would not be available to families. If you're Basically, if you're not receiving any uh, child benefit right now, you probably wouldn't qualify for this. But if you're receiving full child benefit right now, uh, so the full amount that you can receive is about $563 per month. If you're receiving that much, you're going to get the full $1,200 for your child under the age of six. All right, Rabina, let's just back it up for a second. So you're saying right now, if you're eligible for the $1,200 amount for each child under the age of, of six, you have to make less than a combined um, income of 120000 a year. If you make more than 120000 a year, up to um, 220000 a year combined income, then you can still get a bit of money from the government, but it will be half as much. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And that upper limit, I don't know the exact number, but it's around that, uh, around that number, 220, 230. That's when CCB basically cuts off you. It gets clawed away 100% and those families don't receive that benefit. This benefit really is, um, the CCB, even before this extra benefit was announced, it really is for lower to middle income families. And so their uh, assumption is, is that a family that makes more than 220, $230,000 
is able to afford their daycare costs much more easily than a family that's making under $120,000 as a family. All right. Anything else stick out to you before we let you go that you want to uh, mention? Well, they're talking again about a national child care program. Um, I'm happy to hear it. I mean, but we've been hearing about it since Jean Chrétien was a prime minister, which was, you know, more than 25 years ago. Um, the one thing that's disappointing is that it's not something that's going to be immediate. Women have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic, and they need support to get back into the workforce. They're saying it's a five-year plan that they're going to start looking at in 2021. I would have liked to have heard that they're going to start a child care plan as soon as the pandemic is over to really encourage women uh, to get back in the workforce. Just use Quebec as an example and apply that across the country. I think that's one of the best ways that they could make this uh, child care plan available more immediately. Yeah, it's my understanding that's what they're going to do is based on uh, Quebec's $10 a day child care program. Um, and they're going to throw $20 million at the project right now to start the planning phase of it. I think it's interesting that you bring up that women are the ones that are hurt the most when it comes to um, the workforce uh, and child care and the lack of spaces and uh, the lack of affordability. They're calling it, and I've never heard this until yesterday, but apparently we have to add a new term to our uh, our lexicon of words, the she-session. Yeah, oh no, I've been hearing about she-session for a while. Uh, you know, the numbers don't lie. Uh, partici- women's partici- participation in the workforce has dropped to levels of 1986. So some women just simply dropped out of the workforce when the pandemic started because they had children at home that they had to take care of. Daycares were closed. There was nobody that could come in to help. I mean, even right now, we're in a lockdown in Peel and Toronto. You can't even have your mom come in and help you with daycare or with child care, but you can do your job. So that's, it's happening again now where women, maybe if you were able to manage the first six to eight months, this could be, you know, the, the time where you just can't manage it again if your kids are at home. Um, yes, schools are open, but some people have decided to do virtual learning for their own reasons. And that's fine. But that does mean that parents then have to bear the burden of making sure their kids are attending class, making sure their kids are being taken care of during the day. So, you know, the economy depends on women getting back to work. And so they did focus on that, but I just wanted to hear something more concrete when it came to childcare, because childcare is the major barrier. Quebec mm-hmm. has the best data that shows that women in Quebec are able to make better decisions about not only their, their, um, their, their, their jobs, and their careers, but also about going back to school to upgrade their skills, which is what we really need is those highly skilled workers. And women are there willing to do it. But how can you if you've got to take care of children at home? All right, Rabina, I want to thank you for your time. Have yourself a good afternoon. Thank you, Kelly. Cheers. Rabina Ahmed Hawk, our 640 Toronto personal finance expert. And I want to talk to you about this uh, child care benefit that Rabina was talking about. I I have a little bit of a problem with the Canadian child benefit and them handing out up to $1,200 uh, in 2021 for each child under six. And the problem I have is that the payments are going to be handed out automatically. I think you should still have to apply for this. And especially because the upper level where you're only going to get half of that, you'll get what, 600 bucks a kid. You can make up to $220,000 and it's just going to appear in your, in your bank account. I think people that make up to $220,000 in a combined household, probably would say, you know what, you keep, listen, I don't want my kids further in debt later on. All of this money has to be at some point um, paid back here. We're getting into, uh, you know, uh, a big hole that we don't want our kids to have to dig out of. So I got an idea. You keep the $600 for each of my kids. I mean, there. so if you allow people to apply for this, then 
A lot of people wouldn't. I don't like the automatic handout. No, you know, I, I think it makes sense to have to apply for it. I, I, I like it if, if things happen automatically. But in this case, when it's just government being handing out money that is earned by people who may be making much less than that to someone who is now making much more than that, it doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense. Why, why, why do we need welfare for the rich? Right. And we've said this so many times. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And there are a lot of people, I'm sure, that are making, you know, over, uh, let's say, 200000 a year that would say, you know what, I'm not going to apply for that. I don't need that. I'm, we're okay. We can handle this. We don't need to take any money. But if it automatically goes in your bank account, really, come on, how many people are going to work that hard to uh, give it back? Jason and Markham, welcome to the show. Kelly, this is outrageous. Two points. First of all, for all those people making two hundred twenty k a year, can't they just do a deal with the LCBO and give each family a case of wine or something? Like, save us a bit of money and that can help them with their childcare? They might and not even want it. It's ridiculous. And second of all, like, I have two, I'm a middle class person. I have two 20 year old males at home. They're yeah. eating me out of house and home. They never go anywhere. And I could use. They're not even your kids. That's the weirdest part of the story. That's it. I could use a help with groceries for sure. A lot more yeah. than a guy for two twenty k. Please, I bet. Why? I bet. I bet. I appreciate the call. Thanks so much. I wish you the best of luck with those two interlopers in your house. Hey, Laura in Toronto, welcome to the show. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I just like, listen, I'm not against helping people out during the pandemic. There are a lot of people that need help, especially with childcare. I get it. This Canada Child Benefit, it's a great idea. The problem with it I have is that it's automatically going to end up in people's bank accounts. Now, for some people that really need it, that's cool. But if you make more than 120000 like upwards of two twenty, shouldn't you just have the opportunity to say, I'll pass on that? Look, Kelly, like I'm a single mom and I have a son who's 26, uh, so he's an adult as well. And uh, so he's been around since when Jean Cartier was in power and they were figuring out this uh, child benefit thing. I've made ends meet. There is no reason why there should be such an exorbitant amount of $1,200 for each child. I know of families that have four, five kids that are under the age of five, they're making bank. I think there's more better ways that the money can be utilized. For instance, I'm an essential worker. How about use portion of that handout towards essential workers that really need to make ends meet? Um, if, if the families are already at home with the, the moms at home, where are they actually to be utilizing this money mm. for, for child care? You know, this needs to be vetted out, and I think more thought needs to be put into this. Yeah, it's another one of those uh, quick programs. I appreciate the call. Hey, Marie in Toronto, I'm not I'm not denying some people really need the help right now. Uh, but if you make uh, upwards of, you know, let's say 150000 200000 do you need the government to automatically put 600 bucks into your account for each child under the age of six? Or should you have the opportunity to say, uh, I'm going to pass on that. I think what I'm getting at is I don't like the automatic, um, you know, deposit here. Hi. Um, well, actually, I mean, the people who are really pushing this are the uh, the government workers. Uh, you've got the teachers and all of those individuals that have been pushing this. I mean, a number of years ago, a lot of pe- people must have forgotten, but uh, Dr. Pascal from OISE, he had written a whole report that uh, Wynn had brought out about um, 
actually having childcare from the day that the, the child is born, okay, where the government steps in and has all these programs. Um, so this is just part of a, a continuation of the liberal program. And the other thing is that Ontario Teachers Pet Pension Plan, they are the largest owners of private daycare in Canada. And they are big in the UK, private daycare as well. And they get subsidized by the government. So this is, I see this as a win eventually, if it ever goes through, for Ontario Teachers Pension Plan, who will get a lot of subsidy from taxpayers. This is, this is just crazy, but... Anyway, this is where it's going, and the Liberals will push this forever. beyond what's behind it, don't you think we should at least have to apply for the benefit? Well, unfortunately, a lot of people, the way they have it now with the computers and that, a lot of people won't that may actually need it. Right. Uh, They may not have access or whatever, but this is just a giveaway. I mean, this is what they're into. They have a lot of voters who are of a certain sector of the economy who have a lot of babies right now. I'm not going to mention because people will say, oh, it's racism or whatever, but they are. Yeah, well, let's let's not let's not get into their uh, I think you were you're good to stop where you wanted to stop originally. Hey, Marie, in in Oshawa, Rob, uh, Rob in Oshawa, rather, let's move over to you. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. You're in a chipper mood. Wow. Well, I'm always in a good mood. Come on. Nice. I like that. We're in a pandemic and the weather's miserable and whatnot. I mean, hey, why be sad about it? Life's too short. I like it. Good attitude. So what do you think about this uh, child uh, care benefit uh, payment, which we're going to get? Like I was telling your producer, I'm I'm in that bracket where my my wife's a stay-at-home mom for, Mm -hmm. for various reasons. I work an insane amount of hours. So I don't get a salary. I get paid hourly. I work evenings, weekends. Sometimes I work two shifts a day to make extra money to, to, to pay for, you know, our house and our expenses. And the government thanks me for doing that by taking a large amount of my paycheck. Mm-hmm. So to give you an example, I'll, I paid roughly $48,000 in income tax last year. Why should I not take this money back? They, they tax the living hell out of me for programs that, when I when I do apply for them, I don't qualify. Like subsidized subsidized um, summer programs for my children, etc. Mm-hmm. I don't qualify for them because of my tax my income my income level. Okay, well I get I get it that you you could use the extra cash, and that's that I'm not going to question that. It's just what about the people that don't really want it? And it's just going to end up in their bank account. Why are we doing this? I want to uh, welcome to the program uh, our next guest, Lyle Edwards. He's the owner of a company called frozen solid and they ship things to our grocery store but they can tell us a lot about what it's uh, like to ship substances that have to be kept at a very cold temperature in order for them to actually be viable and usable and the challenges that we're facing when it comes to shipping this vaccine lyle welcome to the show uh good morning kelly thank you thanks for being here so what is the biggest challenge of what they're calling the cold chain uh, biggest challenge is just maintaining that temperature right from uh, manufacturing to the end user. That's the biggest thing is that the cold chain, you don't want to miss a link in between. So, you know what, you just, you don't have, um, you're just unable to uh, miss a link in there. So you have to maintain that temperature through the whole way. That's the biggest thing. 
Okay, so what happens if you miss a link? Like, uh, your let's let's use frozen food as a good example because that's what you're doing right now. You're transporting um, pick a frozen food for us and tell us about uh, what could happen that would make you miss a link in that cold change uh, chain and what happens to the product. Well, I guess how you would miss a link would be uh, just the handling of the of the uh, mechanical issues with transportation. Um, uh, human error with not putting it in the right temperature. Um, and then basically what you're doing is you're delivering product that doesn't have the integrity it's supposed to have. The, the freshness isn't there. Um, yeah, so foods could go rotten, foods could go bad, uh, health issues. So, yeah, there's lots can happen. So, Okay. What I would imagine that if you are part of the cold chain, uh, this, this cold chain that, that delivers um, would eventually deliver vaccines, your insurance must be different than a, a normal uh, trucking company. I would assume so, yeah, based probably on the value um, and everything of the of the product, I would assume my insurance would be quite, go up quite a bit, yes. Yeah, tell us about the where checked into, but that's a good point, yeah. Yeah, tell us about the warehouse situation. If you're shipping something uh, from A to B, uh, and it has to be stored in a warehouse. What, have you been in these specialized warehouses before? And wh- what do they look like? How cold are they? What it's like to what? It, what is it like to work in these? Um, yeah, well, we have those warehouses. So we have uh, a freezer warehouse um, that can be down to minus twenty degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, we can basically set that temperature uh, depending on what we have in it at the time. And then we have a cooler that um, that runs anywhere, kind of fluctuates between 33 and 36 degrees that we work all our food in there. So, uh, you know what, It's the guys move fast. It's, it's not too tough to stay warm in there. It's a bit of a pain when you're working in a minus 20 degrees Fahrenheit because that is quite cold. But uh, the guys manage okay with it. So, but Pfizer's vaccine, their candidate has to be kept at around minus seventy. How long would it take to uh, retrofit your warehouse so that it could actually effectively go down to minus seventy? Well, that's, that's colder than cold. So uh, minus seventy. I'm assuming what we would have to do is run in different compressors. Uh, there's definitely the technology out there. It's uh, and or the use of dry ice too. I guess is uh, is what the word going around is. Everyone's using the dry ice to maintain that temperature because I think dry ice runs at about minus sixty-eight, minus seventy degrees Fahrenheit. And have you started to think about how you could? Uh, change your warehouses, whether it be, you know, having specialized rooms, uh, coolers that have dry ice in them and the vaccine, if you had to be asked to to be part of this cold chain shipping vaccines across Canada? Yeah, well, we're starting that process now. I guess it depends on what uh, vaccine is uh, is the one that's going to be used, um, whether it's minus 70 or minus 20. Um, I do have a conference call this Thursday uh, with a company that uh, can get equipment from Germany, actually, and they're starting it now that can maintain these low, low temperatures. So we'll see where that goes. I'm looking forward to that call on Thursday. How hard has it been to, to procure equipment throughout this pandemic? Uh, you know what? I haven't had an issue at all. Uh, the same. Um, I always order equipment well, well in advance, so I'm uh, so I'm okay with that. Uh, I always have trucks and truck boxes and reefer units on order at all times, um, just to either replenish my uh, existing fleet or to add new ones. So I always have uh, new units on the go. So I've never really had an issue with it. 
If I can put you on the spot, Lyle, um, can you it, to be as honest as possible, when you first heard that this uh, Pfizer vaccine had to be stored at minus 70, was there any part of you that thought, good luck? Yeah, with uh, especially with massive doses, right? If, if they're trying to do millions and millions of doses, that's a lot of all I could think of at the time when I first heard it was be using uh, freezer boxes with dry ice. And that's a lot of dry ice. That's a lot of freezer boxes. And it's dry ice is, is, uh, is tough to deal with. I've dealt with it before. Um, you, you know, you need to really be careful when you're handling it. Um, so I was, I don't know. <laughs> Would you have to, I, I appreciate the honesty. Would you have to train people uh, to work with dry ice if your company was going to start shipping that way? How And how long would it take to train people? Oh, absolutely. It'd be trained. You know what? That's something I would look into. I'd look into who uh, supplies the dry ice and I would look and see how they have, uh, they've trained or managed their people to deal with it. And then I would assume I would take those same uh, training skills and move over to my company and, and have all my employees or my select few employees that are going to actually deal with the dry ice. So uh, I think safety has got to be a major concern with it. You're in the cold uh, storage business. You're in the the logistics of of shipping cold items. Um, do you do you think that we've got enough lead time here? Uh, if we start getting vaccines in now, are you confident that we could work out the logistics in the new year for the first three months? And uh, are you in some ways relieved that you might get a little lead time with the rest of the vaccine? Uh, you know what, if it's in the first quarter of 2021, um, the decision needs to be made now, um, for sure, uh, for equipment, for training, for everything else. And again, a lot is going to depend on what vaccine they use. If it's, if we've got to do minus 70, uh, degrees, then that changes a lot. If we have to do minus 20, um, Mm -hmm. I could probably start shipping vaccine tomorrow. So you agree with our premier, we need dates. We need dates. And the reason why we need dates is so you guys can plan you in the logistical business of shipping. Absolutely. Yeah. Like we need to know now. So um, when we work on new uh, new business, it takes months in order to get it going. Um, but with just minus 70, that's, that's a whole new ballgame. Um, and there's a lot of companies out there that won't be able to handle it. So. Lila, I want to thank you for giving us a, a little peek into what you do. And I appreciate your time and Get on those calls. We're all depending on you. All right, you bet. Thank you. No pressure, though. Okay, you be safe. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Always a pleasure to have you here. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you download your favorite podcasts, and we'll be waiting for you daily.